Good morning. As a, as a preacher, I'm always thinking about how's this, going to, how's this sermon going to affect people? And, and I started thinking about this sermon and I thought, you know, I'll have some people that'll just probably be kind of hacked at me. And then I, I thought, and, but yet on the other hand, there'll be some really, really happy people when I'm done with this. So uh, this is a, maybe possibly a dividing sermon. I don't intend it that way, but uh, anyway, let's just march into it, okay? This means yes. Okay, all right. It's a passage of scripture that Josh read earlier. It said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. <clears throat> Passage, of course, as we know, is the Great Commission. This, is what, this has kind of been our go-to verse, you know. Uh, this is what we're all supposed to do. We're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And it's been used to guilt people uh, to keep track of those that you have personally baptized. Um, and, and, and we'll say such things as, are you an evangelistic church? Meaning, how many baptisms did you have last year? Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. I know the importance of being a follower of Jesus and being baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Acts 2.38 is very clear about that. And for us to be his disciples. But I'm not sure that we realize what true evangelism is. We're going to have a soul winning class, is what we proclaim. I'm not saying that that's what we're going to have, but... You know, we, we're going to have a soul winning class and we put, put people in the smallest room down the hall and say, okay, all those who are interested in soul winning go down there. Well, very few people usually show up for those kind of classes. And, and in those classes, we usually teach sales techniques on how to win souls. We teach them, uh, you know... Here's what you do, you, you know, at this point you don't say anything, and, you know, and we end up looking like car salesmen. We look like we say, hey, I've got you a deal here, and I'm going to hand it out to you, and, and, and that's my fear. And we forget that not everybody is an extrovert. We forget that some people are very outgoing, and some people are not. And yet we demand the same thing of everybody. And the introverts out there are saying, oh, please don't make me go do this. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel uncomfortable. <clears throat> and, and at this point, you're probably saying, <clears throat> Jim, did you read that passage? Did you really believe that passage that you read at the very beginning? Well, let me ask you a question. Where have you gone to preach the gospel? Go into all the world, the passage says. 
Well, you're the evangelist, Jim. It's your job. I mean, that's what you're called. Evangelist. You are to evangelize. Well, there lies our problem. We love quoting the passage of Scripture from 1 Peter saying, we are a royal priesthood. We are a people set apart that we're all priests. But when it comes to evangelism, oh, that's not my job. Jim, that's your job. Well, maybe the problem has been that we have a faulty view of evangelism. That we have turned it into a formula that you punch your ticket and let me show you how to do that. And we, uh, we don't literally, but we carry around a little hole punch and say, give me your ticket, and we punch it off as, as they go through this. We have become spiritual ticket takers. And we forget that it's God who adds to our number daily and not us. Let me show you a better way. In John 9, there's an interesting story. I love this story. There's a man who's blind from birth. And, uh, and Jesus comes up to him. And, and the disciples ask this question. They say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? And, of course, Jesus goes into a discussion of, well, neither, you know. And so he spits in the ground. He makes a little poultice out of some mud. He puts it on the guy's eyes. And he says, I want you to go and uh, wash in the pool. And so he goes and he washes his eyes in the pool. And he can see. Well, there's a group of people, some Pharisees that are standing around. And they miss... You know, can you believe this? I mean, I sit there as I read this story and I, I think about they missed a miracle. This guy could not see and now he can. And they're sitting there with a little harumph on their face saying, well, he did it on the Sabbath. And so they start questioning him. They start saying, who is this guy? They start questioning his parents and his parents kind of, you know, He's of age, you ask him. And, and, and so we have this whole thing. That, you know, they were afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue. And so they called the healed man in. And they say, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. You remember his statement back to them? He said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind and now I see. I think that's what we need to be talking about. We're going we're gonna to delve into that a little deeper here in just a few minutes. <laughs> Jesus called us to be salt and light. But you know, salt, if you have too much of it, can be pretty overwhelming. Jesus said, you're the salt of the world. But if you lose your saltiness... You know, you're not good enough for anything except being thrown out and being trampled. <clears throat> I, I recently saw a lady eating her food, and, and I don't, trust me, I don't sit around watching old ladies eat their food. But <clears throat> I, I was watching this lady, and without even tasting her food, she pulls out the salt shaker, and she starts shaking. And she keeps shaking, and she keeps shaking, and I'm sitting there thinking... This woman's going to die of a heart attack right in, our, you know, right in our presence here. 
And, and you're probably, there are some of you out here that are probably the same way. <clears throat> I've even seen kids that, that get the chips from, you know, the, the chips and queso, and before they taste anything. I, and this kid was just a, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old. He grabs the salt and starts dumping on it. I remember one time, and I think I've told you about this, uh, that, that and, and we used to love homemade ice cream, and you put salt around, you know, to kind of freeze it. And I remember one time, evidently, the salt got inside. Instead of sweet, it was salt. Sometimes I think that's what happened when we use the method of evangelism that we so greatly proclaim. We become a little too much. Or remember, he says, I want you to be a light. We sing the song, this little Christian light of mine. I'm going to let it shine all around the neighborhood. But light can be overwhelming sometimes. When I was young, Dad had one of these, what was it, 8-millimeter cameras. And, and they were great outside. But you remember the bar that had about four lights on it? Yeah, and, and all the pictures, and, and I, I don't have very many of them, but you can go back and look at them, and all the ones inside were doing this. You can't see anybody's eyes because the light is so bright. I want us to let Jesus be the light. I don't want us to be so overwhelming that we drive people away. Two stories, both of them very, very familiar with you. The first one is found in John chapter 4. It's a woman at the well. You remember there, there's a Samaritan woman that comes to the well. The disciples have gone into town. Jesus, and, and, and we've told this story hundreds of times uh, in our lives. Jesus is walking through Samaria, uh, which a good Jew didn't do. And, and the disciples go into town, Jesus is sitting there, a woman comes at midday, and there's been speculation as to, as to why she came at midday. They think that's the worst time in the world to come and water your sheep, because it's the hottest. And Jesus sit, is sitting there, and he asks the woman to, to give him a drink. And she says, you know, you're a, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, and you're asking me for a drink. And Jesus says, if you knew who you were talking to, I would give you living water. And they have this discussion back and forth. And it's kind of interesting when you read it. It seems as if she tries to change the subject. And, and, and she says, you know, we know Messiah is coming. And Jesus says, here I am. And it's interesting because Jesus didn't tell very many people that. But he tells this woman in Samaria that he's the Messiah. And, and he tells her, he says, I want you to go back into town and I want you to get your husband. I imagine she kind of hung her head at that point. And she said, I, 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 I don't have a husband. And she said, you're right in saying that. You've had a lot of husbands. But she goes into town. And when she goes into town, it's amazing. Because it says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. What do you think that testimony was? 
Do you think she pulled out the, you know, a, a Bible and said, here it is, you know, and, and ooh, see, this is where I get in trouble. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying the Bible is not the source, but I'm afraid that what's happened is we forget what our own testimony is. And he said, it says, because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many became believers. They never would have become believers had the woman not given her own testimony. The next one is in Mark chapter 5. I love this story. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus is going along and, uh, and there's, a, there's a, a, a demoniac who lives uh, in, in the, the grave, in the, in the cemetery, basically. And, and it's, can you imagine that? You know, I think I'll go to sleep and go, go sleep in the cemetery, you know. Uh, that's, that's where this guy lives. He comes out, and they tried to bind him up, and they couldn't keep him that way. And Jesus comes, and, and you know, he, he identifies it as, as a demon-possessed man. And so the, the, the demon says, you know, don't, you know, we know who you are. Send us into that herd of pigs. So Jesus sends the demons in the herd of the pigs. And, and we could, that's a, a story for another day. But I want us to see this former demoniac. And he sits there in his right mind. And as Jesus is about to, to go... In fact, listen to this, what it says. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus didn't let him go, but he says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell him the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. What did this guy do? Did he pull out a Jewel Miller film strip? Don't misunderstand. I think Jewel Miller film strips are wonderful. But he told his own story. He told what Jesus had done for him. And I've talked about this before. If you read the book of Mark, and, and if it is chronolo uh, chronologically correct, these people said, hey, please leave. He's in the region of the Decapolis. If you read through there, and the next time you hear about the cities of uh, Decapolis, guess what happens? Jesus feeds 4,000 people. I've often wondered if it was because of the testimony of this man. The psalmist in Psalm 66 says, come and see what God has done. And then a little bit later he says, come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I like what Kirby Anderson said. He says, we are called to share, not to have all the answers. Tell your story. And I want you to understand 
a couple of things. Number one, take your lead from the Spirit. That little urging that says, talk to this person, that little urging that says, say something, listen to him. But the other side of this coin is this. Some, if not most people, will not listen. Look what happened to the, to the blind man who was healed. He was kicked out of the synagogue. They, they deemed him a heretic. I've been waiting. I, I just received this over the weekend. I, and I don't, our Mark and uh, uh, Kate here, Peterson. Okay. Um, many of you might, and I, I hope, I hope I say her name right. Svenja Rish. She's probably watching. <laughs> Turn and wave at her if you want, you know. <clears throat> she wrote this, and, and it says at the top, if you want to, you can read it aloud at service. So I have permission to do this. Uh, Svenja came and lived with Mark and Kate for, for a year. She was a foreign exchange student. And she wrote this. Dear church community, dear Mark and, uh, Kate, Mark and Kate, dear Marshall and Sierra, I'm writing this letter to say a little thank you today. Back in 2013-14, I stayed with the Petersons for one year. And I know I haven't been the best guest. I was a young teenager back then and didn't know how thankful I should be for all the things they gave and taught me. I'm still feeling bad for some situations back then, but that's not my point today. Svenja, if, if you're watching right now, forgive yourself for that, okay? All right. Mark and Kate brought me to the Southwest Church of Christ in Omaha. And I remember one Sunday when I was in bed, Mark called, Svenja, you have to get up. It's time for church. Tired me answered, do we really have to go? I want to sleep. And Mark said, yes. So I got up. Back then, my sleep was more important to me than church classes and services and God. I also remember Mark bringing me to school and talking to me about God. I remember some days where I was really annoyed by this. But I think I never told Mark that. And now I miss it daily. On June 22, 2014, I left the States and went back to Germany. And I remember the first Sundays. I was happy that I didn't have to get up early and was, always was able to sleep in. But some weeks passed and I started to miss something. I started to miss church and the love towards everybody and the way of worshiping God together. I put on my cross necklace again after several years, and it was a completely different feeling than the years before. I felt protected and closer to God than ever, and this was possible, made possible, through the Petersons and the wonderful church community. Ever since I kept losing track, churches and church services here in Germany aren't anything, anything near Southwest. I started to miss to go to church, to be, he, be there, to learn about God, to have brothers and sisters around that take me as I am. And I have to thank the pandemic that I finally, I can finally be a part of it again through YouTube. 
It's definitely not the same as being there in person, but it's still a good start. Especially the service from September 12th gave me goosebumps. I, I, do you remember September 12th? I, was it you that spoke? <laughs> Maybe she liked him a whole lot better than me. I don't know. <clears throat> I didn't read what she put. She put September 12th rock music. All right. It's amazing what I miss when I'm not here, you know. She said it gave me goosebumps and let me tear up, of course, in a positive way. And to be honest, ever since being back, I feel better and closer to God. I even real realistically started to think about moving to the U.S., moving to Nebraska. I haven't made a decision yet, I guess mainly through fear. The Petersons taught me so much, especially concerning love and God, and I am beyond thankful for them and for bringing me to Southwest. And I know I haven't been the best host child, but I have learned from my past. And I want to give a special thank you to the church community and everybody participating in church services and my church class back then, as y'all really brought me back and closer to God and closer to the right way of living. I'm still learning, but I'm trying my best. So thank you to each and every one of you, and I hope to see you very soon in person at church and only wish you the best. Y'all are always welcomed here in Germany at my home. Don't everybody schedule this at once, okay? <laughs> Just reach out to me through Facebook. May God bless you all. Many regards. Svinja Rish, please excuse my English as it gets worse and worse. Svinja, we don't care about your English. It's pretty good. And besides that, you have shown us what true evangelism really is. It's living your life. It's being able to, to use God's name. Yeah, there are those that are, that are great at, at, at going out and, and, and preaching the gospel and God bless you. But we shouldn't lay a guilt trip on those who don't feel comfortable doing that. But we need to tell our story. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 9, it says this. Now about your love for one another, we don't need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family through Macedonia, and yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your own hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. I'm not saying don't do anything. What I'm saying is we need to live what we say we believe. Not as car salesman, but as an ambassador, as a disciple, and as a genuine follower of Jesus. 
I don't know what this lesson has meant to you. I don't know if it's struck a chord or made you angry. If it's made you angry, come see me and we'll, we'll talk about it. But uh, we're going to sing an invitation song here. It's designed not to make you feel guilty, but to say we are the kind of community that Svenja talked about. The kind that will love you and hug on to you and praise God with you and forgive you. Our shepherds and their wives will be in the back if you want to do this privately, but we're going to, we're going to sing this song if you want to respond in a public way. Do so as we stand and sing this song. <laughs>